The Near Futurist, a podcast with Guy Clapperton. Hello, and thanks for downloading The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. Today, we're going to return to the theme of whether the term artificial intelligence is used too liberally. But first, as always, some background on who you're listening to. I'm Guy Clapperton, a technology journalist, event MC, and media trainer with 30 years experience. You might have heard me or seen me on the BBC occasionally, read some of my books, or seen me in the Guardian, New Statesman tag, and elsewhere. I go to a lot of conferences. I spoke at one only yesterday, and I hear experts talking about their forecasts about the decades to come. I'd rather use my 30 years of experience as a commentator to discuss what's likely to happen later this year, early next, and the action we need to take now. So I came up with the Near Futurist name. Do have a look at my website at nearfuturist.co.uk where you'll find more episodes and information on what we're about. If you'd like to book me as a speaker or MC for your technology event, do have a look at the showreel on the site and drop me a line, guy at nearfuturist.co.uk. That's nearfuturist as one word. Or get in touch with my agent, whose details are, of course, on the site. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please do consider leaving a review on the iTunes store or wherever you download from. And if you're new to this show, you're very welcome. Well, that's loads about me, so let's get to my guest for the show as quickly as possible. He's founder and CTO of software intelligence company Dynatrace and has more than 15 years of engineering leadership under his belt. He is an inventor of nine tech patents, including technologies that drive Dynatrace PurePath and the company's software intelligence platform. He believes in paying his experience forward, so in his spare time, he advises startup companies, speaks at entrepreneurial events, and supports academic technology research. An adventurous spirit, he prefers alpine or oceanic adventures to relaxing on a beach. I'm uh, broadcasting from Croydon, so that sounds very adventurous either way. We dream of beaches here. Nevertheless, he applies the same drive and determination to keeping Dynatrace on the leading edge of autonomous IT operations. He's called Bernd Breifenader. Bernd, welcome. Thanks, Guy, for having me here. You're more than welcome. Okay, I did my usual trick of cutting and pasting the biography from your PR people, the briefing they sent me. So can you tell me a bit about what Dynatrace actually does? Dynatrace is a software intelligence platform delivered as a service, and its purpose to enable enterprise customers to deliver their software more perfectly to their customers, end users, and digital business areas. So also, related to our today's topic of AI, one of the key complexities that our customers do have is that they run hundreds, thousands, actually many even hundreds of thousands of computer software instances in their hybrid clouds and therefore the complexity is so big that it prevents them from driving their own digitalization forward. So they need true help to deal with this to deliver perfect software. Okay, so there's an awful lot to do with artificial intelligence there, but the pitch from your PR people said that you feel it's often over-marketed or people are saying they've got artificial intelligence where they haven't or the definition's too broad. It sounds to me as if you're biting the hand that feeds you a little bit. What is the problem with artificial intelligence from your point of view? Really a um, multi-pronged kind of um, issue here that when people talk about artificial intelligence, most of them mean the learning with neural networks. And my key aim here for today is to actually segment a little bit different types of artificial intelligence because 
is usually in technology, there's always a certain solution to a certain problem and that needs to match. And what upsets me a little bit here is in general that right now everyone seems to believe that if you use machine learning based on neural networks, this is solving kind of pretty much every problem on the globe, which totally not is the case, but obviously it does have great applications. But it's a big difference between problems that need precision for automation, for problems that need to be explainable, versus other problems where it's more important to have a, um, a quick analysis and a um, good enough result their explainability is not required at all, as, as, as one example. So, I mean, a few weeks ago, we had someone saying they were tired of artificial intelligence being sold when it wasn't actually artificial intelligence at all. They were saying that there was machine learning, there was deep learning, there was robotic process automation, there's all these other various things. So how exactly are you defining AI here? Yeah, it's really that they can categorize AI into different um, levels there. Analytical approaches to AI drive cognitive intelligence for those, but then all the others that try to be more humanized and kind of you know, to the maximum level, even self-consciousness and self-awareness. But in order for us in our world, we really want to leverage AI to make problems that are too complex for us humans solvable. So even analytical approaches that use big data techniques, techniques and statistical approaches can be considered AI and a part of the definition. So for us as a, as a company here at Dynatrace, our aim is to automate truly the um, IT operations, which requires precision because you can't have an AI that sort of does a guesstimate and therefore says, oh, no, let's shut down these instances because we think it might be a good idea. No, you need, therefore, to have precision and a more analytical approach to AI. And this is what sort of our approach to software intelligence is here. And so, you know, our definition, it's really about discovery of software services, instantly learning behavior of software systems, understanding their dependencies, correct, correctly interpret the data with so associated semantics. And this is all fed then into the learning to have a deterministic approach for actionable answers, because this deterministic approach is then allowing automation to provide IT with self-healing approaches in the modern robust way of orchestration of exactly those systems that are too complex by now so that humans can't cope anymore with them. I can't help feeling in the real world a business will come to you or a, maybe a public sector uh, entity but some sort of corporate entity will come to you. They don't necessarily go around looking for AI, they go around looking for a solution to a problem. What they want is a healthier and better business and better processes and actually more profit on the bottom line or more savings with better results if they're public sector. Is it anyone except for the industry itself? Does anyone else really worry about what's AI and what isn't, do you think? Yes, yeah, so that's interesting right now that people do believe that with AI and especially this learning approach like a train AI, is sort of the solution to all repeatable problems. 
what I'm observing is, and this is now inside of IT as well as outside of IT, and is that there's this aim and belief, all you need to do is apply AI to your existing processes, let it run for half a year so that it learns all the problems or situations that occur, and suddenly you can then replace your employees and everything is automated. But I think this is ignoring in a big way that as automation is driving forward with and uh, without the AI anyway, um, people are more and more pushed towards highly educated and creative jobs again, meaning that actually people are now here to solve the issues that are non-easily repeatable. So the belief here that AI is simply being put in there for half a year training and then suddenly it's doing magic won't work out and I think here is sort of also a little bit of truth into an old saying from Michael de Montaigne uh, man is most apt to believe but the least understand and I think this is also true for understanding the abilities of AI here in our context. Also, this idea that people are going to be pushed towards creative, uh, more complex jobs, because AI will take over the uh, more repetitive jobs, that's okay, but it's only applicable really to people who are inclined to be creative and who are well-educated and who are perhaps eloquent. There are other people out there who don't have those attributes. They might have other excellent attributes, but we can't just, as a society, we can't just ignore that bunch of people who aren't necessarily creative, can we? Oh yeah, of course, but when we have the discussion around Henry Ford's introduction of kind of car mass production, and then you think about those welding people that had been around there, today no one says, oh, welding is such a great job for people, and everyone knows how much of a tough physical job this was, and people got sick early. So no one would want to reoccur those jobs again, and I think also here in the IT business, we do have jobs that are tedious and actually making people more sick than helping them. Because when you have to stare at dashboards 24-7 and wait for a problem to occur just to then execute the manual runbook, yes, maybe then you don't need to be the most creative and highest educated person. But on the other hand, such a tedious job doesn't give you any reasoning or purpose in life either so i strongly believe that years from now we do see actually this is helping mankind rather than harming mankind but if you were a business leader and thinking that you need some sort of technology upgrade what sort of questions do they need to be asking themselves before implementing ai what do they need to answer do they need to arm themselves with before coming to somebody like you Yes, yeah, so the key question is always what problem is it and what output does it need to drive? Is it more a, a subjective um, improvement that AI should drive? This is, for instance, recommendations on uh, what picture optimizations uh, should be done that's built in in your camera. That's very subjective. And if the color is a little bit tilted to, to more greenish versus bluish, you would never say this was now totally incorrect and wrong. It's because it's a subjective feel that, that you have, whether it's not better or not. So this is, this is one aspect. The other aspect is sort of in contrast to this, you need high precision because you do steer a car or you do automate your IT or do some other critical action that 
lets the business fall down or harm people or something like this, then the AI needs to be absolutely explainable and deterministic because you need to understand also when it's in the case it's behaving wrong, why did it this way and how to improve its behavior. You've mentioned the term, sorry to interrupt, you've mentioned the term deterministic a few times. For the listeners, could you, could we just pretend for a moment that I don't know exactly what you mean by that? Could you tell me what you mean by deterministic AI, please? Yeah, deterministic AI is all about that when you start with the very same starting point over again, then the AI will result with the same conclusions again. So if you had a situation, car would be kind of at the corner on the road, and it's the same situation with the people and the traffic light and so forth, the car would make the same decision over and over if it was an autonomous car. So, and that is important for, for instance, in our world where it's about orchestrating IT, you need to be able to know when you ramp up and ramp down systems, because businesses need to be able to depend on their on the digital uh, businesses. So this is sort of their deterministic, is the repeatability and it's often also coupled then with explainability because deterministic systems can be easier explained. Because when you have just learning data on the flip side, it's hard, you can't explain sort of, why did the AI not come to the conclusion? So use, a million more drivers to learn your autonomous car and then you still can't explain why it behaved this way. So that's that's sort of big important differentiation um, there. Then the other fact, since I mentioned learning too, is what is the period of training data and what is actually the situations that need to be trained? How often do those occur? For instance, in, in our world of our customers, they all moved to the cloud and cloud native systems, meaning software systems are more dynamic. They are, are updated multiple times, even in a day if, or, or weeks. So everything is changing and in flux and dynamic. So the problem now is if you use your training period for AI that takes, let's say, weeks, months, or half a year of training, so that you have enough time to watch for problems that occur and then watch how humans resolve those problems. And now you apply this trained model to your highly dynamic IT system. The problem is that the moment you have sort of your, your model done, your IT systems have already changed and you need to start over and relearn some aspects again. And this is, not working for highly dynamic systems. So you could argue also this is a similar problem that even an autonomous vehicle is not able to cope with new dynamic situations properly if you only rely on training information because this always requires that all situations had been trained at some point or hopefully there is a random behavior that is good enough. But this is now here the reason also why for instance we have chosen a deterministic approach that learns instantly meaning learning happens in a matter of uh, seconds to minutes and then the AI is running uh, deterministic and statistical methods um, on this learned graph information to derive 
precise conclusions that allow to automate and steer. So this is sort of a key difference. Can you afford to wait for a month and learn a model and reapply that model? Or do you have to deal with constantly changing systems where you have to have instant learning? Yes, I was going to say the other thing, if we stick with the autonomous vehicle uh, idea, if that learns from, say, a cross-section of a million drivers, it will logically, therefore, come out with the same amount of accidents and fatalities as a million drivers would do, whereas I would have thought the whole idea of an autonomous vehicle is to reduce that, hopefully eliminate it, but I don't know if that's realistic, but to reduce the amount of incidents on the road dramatically and to increase safety, whereas if it's just going to duplicate the human driving errors, then that's not so much use to us, is it? Yes, that's correct. This is why I strongly do believe just trying to duplicate humans is not good enough in here because we, we have them the same issues. So we need to augment autonomous driving with other technologies, whether it's beacons, technical sensors, car-to-car -car communication, sort of um, telematic systems that help steering, warning for problems and so forth to actually augment what humans would do with this information so that cars become safer. But I, in addition to that, I, I can foresee that situations will happen that we sit in an autonomous car and then the car would say, oh, sorry, I don't know what to do anymore. Please do now a human resolution for it to call services and they should do resolution. So I see this still coming because we need this augmentation or let's say this way, because AI on its own that copies humans is not good enough. We need additional approaches for that to make it work. And the other area where that can go either spectacularly right or spectacularly wrong, I suppose, is when you start introducing quite unconsciously human bias. I'm thinking about things like face recognition at airports where there have been, I've seen some bits and pieces of reportage. I haven't seen the reports, but the, the academic stuff behind them, but it's been reported as if they are identifying, say, people of Asian extraction as more likely to be terrorists and stuff like that. I know I saw years ago, decades ago, where when somebody first started applying AI to webcams, the idea was that it would always turn towards the face so someone could move around a bit. And they had a black person and a white person uh, sitting there, and it automatically moved towards the white person, mostly because people hadn't anticipated that it would differentiate. So, you know, you, you, but there are these unconscious biases which could be very, very damaging. How concerned are you about things like face recognition at airports and things where individuals are identified? Actually, I'm very concerned about this. And I thought also long time ago, kind of what is the good and the bad about AI? Obviously, the whole automation aspect is good. The point you bring up is the problem about the belief that AI is the solution that is not making any failures, but when you understand AI better, especially the one, the AI that learns from history how, how also error-prone it is, or that statistically it only can be to a certain amount right, and never be 100% complete. This makes me really frightened because people believe in this as accurate, but it isn't accurate and this is not understood properly. So, and as I am personally also traveling a lot and see it also now that face recognition is now also used even to get on the airplane. So this is just since um, the past two last flights, was it this way? 
Now I'm even more frightened that at some point it will tell me, oops, no, you get the special security check because suddenly you are categorized as a terrorist just because whatever I, I had made my hair short or whatever kind of um, similarities I do have to someone else. But other situations are when sitting in a hotel, in a bar, in this kind of, I just sit close to someone and, and I'm just tracked as having a, a geographical close relation to a, a known criminal person or maybe a later known criminal person and it was just random and suddenly I'm put into context of, of a crime act. So I think this, this will happen because we believe a little bit too much in the power or precision of AI. I'm sure we could talk about this for quite a long time, but uh, we are coming to the end of our time. So finally, if you could possibly tell the listeners how they can find out more about you and what you do. Yeah, the easiest is to um, look at dynatrace.com and our website. Sort of there's also um, links to videos and contents from my behalf, but you can also reach me on Twitter at at burnedrife. B-R-N-D-G-R-E-I-F. Ben Bright and Ada, thank you very much indeed for joining me. And I do urge everyone to go and look at Dinah Tracer's website. Thank you very much. Enjoy the conversation. And many thanks to you for listening. That was the Near Futures podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. I'll be back in two weeks' time as always. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfuturist.co.uk. See you in a fortnight.